Last episode, I had my friend Chastin Hudson join us. I know I said I was going to probably have two episodes in a row with guests, but it didn't work out for either one of us last week, so now it's going to be this week. Um, if you did not get a chance to listen to the episode with Chastin, though, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. She has an amazing story and testimony. I also talked a little bit about when you are called to a work within the church and how everyone has a calling. I actually have talked about being called on some previous episodes also. This week, I will be talking with Sister Melita Phillips about navigating your calling. Mary was highly favored, but was almost put away by the man she loved most. Highly favored, but she was rejected by every person in Bethlehem. Highly favored, but she laid on a dirt floor of a barn and gave birth to a baby she carried for nine months. Highly favored, but in the middle of the night had to leave all she knew and moved to a strange town because God said so. Favor never looks like favor at first. Favor sometimes takes you through frustration, failure, and fear. You want to be favored of God? It may be in the darkest night or the deepest valley, but there is a place where no one sees you and you feel like no one understands. That's when you whisper to yourself, this is only the beginning, not the end. This will turn out for my good and His glory. This is because I'm favored. Author Unknown Hi, and thanks for joining me today. If you're new here, welcome to my podcast. Now I've been thinking about what to name my podcast. I tried many different names, but throwing in the cameras just jumped right off the page out. The reason for that? An encounter is to me unexpected, a chance meeting. This is exactly what a home room encounter is. That moment when God steps into the room and the atmosphere changes. I knew when I read the definition of encounter that this was it. Join me each week as I dig deeper into the, to God's Word, talk about my own personal home room encounters, miracles, healings, promises from God, answered prayers, and unanswered prayers, and a whole bunch of other stuff. If you have any questions, feel free to message me on Instagram. I would love to hear from you. Have a lovely day, and God bless. Hi, everyone. Hope you're having a great week. This week, I am so excited to have Sister Melita Phillips joining us. She is half of a dynamic and anointed duo. She is married to Brother Jacob Phillips, who is an evangelist out of our church. Uh, They are both talented, anointed, and mightily used in the kingdom of God. If you've never heard of him, you need to go look him up. He preached peak uh, last year, and he's just he's he's been in revivals all over the country. He's just an unbelievable man of God, and she's she she is too, uh, for that matter. She's just she's anointed. She's talented. Um, she's very gifted. They both play music. Uh, she sings. I don't know if he sings, but she sings. He plays the piano, the guitar. I think the bass, the drums. She plays the piano and the organ and sings and is just, she helps with our kids' choir, our our regular choir sometimes. She helps with Bible quizzing. They just really, they are just a big, big asset to our church, and I'm so excited to have her here today. Today, we are going to talk about how to navigate your calling, what to do when you feel like God is calling you to something. You will have to excuse our voices, though, because both of us don't have very much of a voice, we had a Holy Ghost shout-down service last night. 
Well, really, both services yesterday was that, that way. That's why we don't have very much of a voice. But anyway, if you can excuse that. When I first thought of who to ask about joining the podcast, uh, my friend Chaston and then Sister Phillips were the first two people that popped in my head. And as soon as I asked Sister Phillips about doing it, the phrase, navigating your calling, popped in my head. And every time I prayed about it, I just kept, it just kept coming back, like, talk about what to do when you're called. So here we go. Happy Monday afternoon. So excited to have Sister Melita Phillips joining me today. It is an honor to be here. I think I talked about it a little bit earlier, but when I thought about who to ask, she was one of the first people that popped in my mind. So I just, um, I just felt like she'd be good for the podcast. And the topic was the crazy thing. It just immediately popped in my head. And I felt like she was one of those people that has really and truly had to navigate a calling in life. So we're just going to get into it from there and let her just tell us a little bit about herself. Well, um, I was born and raised in South Louisiana, and my parents pastored there. So all of my life, I've been in ministry. Um, I do have two siblings, my sister, and I have a brother. Uh, my sister's 16 years older than me, and my brother is 14 years older than oh, me. Wow. So I was the late in life baby, and my daddy always referred to me as the caboose. So um, I came from ministries. All I knew was, you know, being raised in a minister's home. And uh, I don't take that for granted. And I wouldn't trade it for a thing in the world. Um, I'm married. I've been married. Uh, actually, this coming September will be 15 years. I've been married to Brother Jacob Phillips. And I have two precious children, Jameson and Emilita. And they are 8 and 11. And uh, God has truly blessed us abundantly. That's amazing. I didn't realize I was that old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they grow up fast. They grow so fast. That's what I was going to say. And time flies when you're having a good time. Yes, it does. Did you always feel like you would be a preacher's wife? I can't pinpoint exactly when, but I knew it from a very young age. Like, I don't know if it was because of being raised in a minister's home, maybe coming from that aspect of it, or just, you know, knowing what the calling of God felt like. Uh, I mean, of course, I was young. But looking back now, it just, you know, the stars aligned. Yeah. Which didn't you, and I don't think I had this in our list of questions, but you haven't you known Brother Phillips? Did you know him? I did, actually. Most um, of your life? I did. We met when he, he and I uh, were only four months apart, but um, we were about eight years old. His daddy came to my dad's men's conference for years. So it was a passing since he was like eight years old, just a passing. Hey, how you doing? How's your family? And then it wasn't until we had a memorial, which I'll talk about this a little bit later, but we had a memorial men's conference for my dad who had passed away. And it was the final men's conference and it was in memory of him and his mom and dad and their whole family came to that men's conference. And that was when we both hit it off. Um, and it was over music. So that was the beginning. That's a very, very long story, but uh, it's, it's been an adventure and it still is. And it's amazing. Yeah, definitely. I talked about it in my, in the intro about, you know, how great of a minister Brother Phillips is. Yes. When y'all came and did a revival, I still, I don't remember the title, but I still, every time somebody mentions what's your favorite message, it's the one about the rabbits oh, where yeah. he talks about the rabbit hop and it, yes. it was just he just, and that's, that's not the only one. I mean, I can I can just go down the list. When somebody asked me to go through our archives and tell them my favorite one, 
I said, I can't tell you my exact favorite because every title, I, oh, wait, here's this point. Here's this point. And I mean, yeah. it's just like that every time he preaches. Um, he's just amazing. But um, what age do you feel like, you know, when you felt like God was calling you to, you know, a type of ministry? Not necessarily because, you know, you knew you felt the cause of ministry's wife. Right. But, you know, when you felt like God was calling you to something greater than just being a minister's daughter or a minister's wife. I'd have to say I can distinctly remember, and this is as far back as I can remember. I was around eight or nine. Um, now, when I was a toddler, I used to love going to church and pray as a little girl. And if my parents passed by the church and we didn't stop to pray, I would scream and cry all the way home. My mom said I would just lose it. And we would already have been to church to pray that day. But because we passed by the church to go home and we didn't stop, it just totally upset my world because I thought every time we passed by the church, we had to pull in and we had to go in and we had to pray. So all I ever knew was ministry, but also something that was very valuable that was put into me by my mom and my dad was prayer. And um, I feel like that around the eight and nine-year-old age is when I begin to say, hey, you know, I got a little more to do for God. Then I'd already, God had allowed, you know, my parents to teach me how to pray. So it was like the prayer life was there. Right. And, uh, you know, I, it wasn't like I was just praying hours as a child, but that was established. It was there. Right. You, and you I already understood felt the importance exactly. of it. So what I was feeling, I knew was more than just a call to prayer. Right. Than just, just so I would have to say eight or nine eight years or nine. old. How um how young were you when you started? Did you play the piano and the organ? Was that you took lessons or? I did. It? Um, I actually, I'm going to refer to that too uh, later on. But I did. I started piano lessons when I was four years old. Um, the miracle behind that is actually the lady who took me in to start doing piano lessons was apostolic, and uh, she didn't take anybody below five years old. But my dad called her and asked her, you know. Her father was a neighboring pastor about 30 minutes down the road. And um, he called and asked her, he said, hey, would you be interested in teaching Melita? She's four years old. But I had been uh, just finding an interest in it. We had an old upright piano in our in our, uh, in our our living room. And I had, you know, those little tight karaoke. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, with the little microphone, the yellow string. Oh. And I would bring the little tape player and I would press play, have my microphone, and I would just beat on the piano with my other hand. And my dad, and that, I have a picture. They took a picture of me. I'm in a hot pink sweatshirt in the picture, you know, <laughs> and uh, total 90s baby. But anyway, I'm singing in the, you know, in the picture. And it was around that age. I was like three or four. And my dad was like, she's interested, you know, and God, God allowed that, you know, she didn't take till five years old, but she took me at four and I took piano lessons, um, until the year before my dad passed away, but I was 14 years old. So you took it all the time. Mm -hmm. Well, it definitely shows you, you're an amazing piano player to God I took be the glory. for years and I still cannot pluck out nothing. That just was not my calling. <laughs> Well, music runs in my family, like all of my dad's side of the family. They're all musicians or they sing, you know, and that was just, it was in the blood, but also it's also a calling. It's something that God puts on you. Oh, it definitely is. Especially, you know, they, everybody talks about, you know, you have all these people in the world that play music and some of them are so talented. They don't take lessons. And I thought, 
so many times people are like, oh, well, that's just, they're just musically inclined. I don't feel that way. I feel like God gave them that and they're mm-hmm. just using it in the wrong way. It's a talent. Yeah, it's a talent. It's a gift and that they're just using it in the wrong way. I think one thing that kind of prompted me to talk about people and their callings in it is so many people don't know how to navigate it. And that is, I mean, even me as a young girl, probably, I didn't get the Holy Ghost till I was 13, but I remember before 13 trying to pray the way that I pray now. And not knowing any, you know, I didn't know what, what it was. I remember um, I, before I, I got the Holy Ghost, just that that urging. And my grandmother would work with me and she always encouraged me to get in the altar and work. But after I got the Holy Ghost, um, it happened in a revival we had when I was a kid. And everybody, we had so many people getting the Holy Ghost. They had worked with me over and over again. It was like I just could not get it. And we had in the old church that I attended... We had a, our baptistry had a little area that you would go into that was in the ladies' prayer room. And I remember in that service, I was so discouraged because throughout this revival, and this is back when you did revival, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It was a lot. Yes, every night of the week. Yes, and I remember being so discouraged because it did not matter what I did. I just could not get the Holy Ghost. And I remember everybody was just all over the place, people slain out. And I went in this little room. And I crawled in that corner and I said, okay, God, it's just me and you. I'm not leaving. And within the next thing I remember, this is how slain out in the Holy Ghost I got. The next thing that I remember is a cool hand touching my back. Mm. And I don't know how long I'd been in there. They didn't even realize I had left. But because the wall was against the sanctuary, the man of God sat on the platform. He was like, he said, what is that noise? And I was praying like I do now. That's how I was speaking in tongues. Just, I mean, it was just... And I had no idea. I was just, it, it was just this unbelievable presence. Well, from that point on, I felt like God started trying to to show me things and use me in different ways, but I just didn't know what to do. And when I was 16 is when God really started using me in different areas more than I had ever, could ever have imagined. I think the first time I really experienced something is I had a, a spiritual dream and it was... I didn't get the interpretation until about four years ago. Mm. And it was a, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand, you know, I knew it was different than any dream I'd had. And it was just this, it was just crazy the way he started doing it. Well, because I didn't know how to navigate it or what to do or how to cultivate any of it, it scared me to death and I tried to shut it down. And I feel like there's so many people you can, I can see it on young people here. Mm -hmm. There's so many young people that they feel that that urge or that call and then they're like, it scares them to death and they're like, oh no, I can't do that. And it's not like that. If they, I feel like they need somebody to encourage them. And it's when I thought about it, yeah, because it's not, it's not easy. It is. It's not easy. It, it takes a lot out of you, but it's so rewarding when you're, you know, when you're positive in it. And so I guess the next question would be, how do you, how did you handle it as you went through? Did you have like a mentor you talked to? Or did you just do more prayer and more more Bible reading and pushing on your own? Um, I'm going to say this. I'm going to go there. This is further down, but I want to go there because this is what helped me. Uh, already having an established prayer life. Now, I was fortunate to be in a minister's home. Right. But I have to say, I see the same things. And it's not just here. It's everywhere. Anything beyond, uh, I don't want to say our regular uh, everyday go to church life. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to be that basic, but just anything beyond um, what we see take place in our church services. I mean, being called to dreams is deep. 
I mean, think of Joseph. Like right there, automatically when you were talking, my mom went, she was having a Joseph moment. She had no idea what was coming. And not knowing how to navigate a dream or what to do with a dream. And this is one thing I'll give to anyone. And this is what I would tell anyone. If God is using you in dreams and he's revealing things to you in dreams, number one, it's not always for you to tell, Joseph. Um, A lot of things are for you to just keep under your hat. But God reveals so that he can heal. And so when he reveals something to you in a dream or he reveals something to you through discernment, whatever it may be, it is for you to pray about. God's entrusting that dream with you. He's wanting you to give it. And I always say, God, I give this dream back to you. And I spend specific time praying about that dream. And if it's something that I feel like is a warning for someone or I feel like they may need to know, I definitely pray about it, talk with my husband. And if it was for someone in the church, I would immediately go to pastor and say, hey, you know, this is, I dreamed about this. Would you feel okay if I shared this with them? If I, if I felt released from the Holy Ghost to do that. That's what I've always done with it. And exactly. Me, it was so crazy because it wasn't just that he gave me dreams. He gave me interpretation too. And that is what scared me because it wasn't just my dreams. He gave me interpretation to. I would have people come to me and tell me a dream today. And I'm telling you while they're telling me that dream, God gives me the interpretation and I've not even prayed about it. And I told someone one time, I said, it's not me being high and mighty in myself. That's the reason I don't advertise like that about it. It's, you know, when you talk about a calling God gives you, you don't want it to sound like, oh, well, guess what God gave me? That's not what it's about. But also, it, you know, there are some people that feel that way. But like you said, it's literally, it's one of those things that you don't just blurt it out, you know? And for me, I had to learn that's what it was. But exactly. also, I had to learn what to do. And when I was younger, I would pray. As soon as I woke up, I would pray and I'd be like, you know what, God, if that was from you, I want the same dream exactly the same tonight, and I want the interpretation. Mm. And every time, that is how it happened until the last year. Now when I have the dream, I wake up the next morning, and he gives me the interpretation most of the time. And that's crazy. Well, that's the story of Joseph, if you'd go back and read about it, when the dreamer becomes the interpreter and I, of it's the dream. Just, mm. you know, that, and that's just one calling. You know, there's so many, so many different areas. You know, like you said, you're called in music, mm-hmm. and I mean, you're – it's not just a matter of there are people that I've seen play before and they are phenomenal without a lack of a lick of anointing. It's just they're just up there for show. And I've always, always been involved in music. It's I love music. I love singing. It's always kind of been just my just part of me. That's just me. And I've always one thing I've always loved is to watch musicians that worship while they are playing. It's not just you up there doing your thing. And to look over and see a piano player or a guitar player with tears rolling down their cheeks or Absolutely. to look in the drum cage and the drummer speaking in tongues so hard, he just about can't play the drums. That's what it's about. That you're you're being used in that gift. And if you're not anointed, it zaps it in the service. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they're just... There's so many aspects to a calling and there's so many ways to navigate it. And I feel like for me, I've not, I didn't know how I had to learn it on my own. And, you know, it just, that was just one, the dreams was one thing that God started using me in. To be honest, it's what he started using me in. And then he just added to it with different things. But I do, I do feel like, you know, there is a right way and a wrong way to handle any calling anything like that. And definitely 
definitely if you're giving a word for someone and it's negative. Oh, yes. I've mm-hmm. I've seen people give a, a negative word without speaking to the man of God, and I don't feel like that's right. And I think you've already talked about this. I asked, um, did you feel a call before marriage or after? You felt it yes. before, obviously. Definitely. Probably a different calling after marriage because once you were married, oh, yeah. it, it changed, I would say. It did. And I can remember the shift. Um, you know, after you get married, you know, there's just that, you know, that moment. Uh, I don't want to say coasting, but, you know, you're just getting married. You're just getting used to life. It's, you know, every day's coming and everything's new. Um, it's not all about you. Anymore. No, it's no. All. And, you know, those that say, oh, you know, each of you have to give 50, 50, that equals 100. That's absolutely not the truth. Each of you've got to give 100. Yeah. You've got to give your all, you know. And he already, as I'm, I'm, if you ever feature him, you know, I'm kind of telling on him a little bit, but he felt his call of God at eight years old. He preached his first message when he was eight. So he knew, you know, this is life. This is what I'm called to do. And he went through a very rough patch right before me and him met. Actually, that's kind of what brought us so close together is we were both going through rough times. And uh, I guess you could say if you accept the call when you're young. Okay. Like when I was eight, I was like, oh, you that's what whatever I did. you want me to do that's what I did you know but you go through rough patches in life and and you get to a point and you're like okay you're teenagers and I have it written down here it's like you don't you don't realize and I've said this so many times when we've talked about because I've talked about I really feel like I started the podcast for hurting people I, oh, I just I felt like God spoke to me to you know use your voice and I was like God how what are I mean I, I cannot financially afford to do anything that would require me to travel. I can't do any of that. What do you want me to do? You're going to have to show me. And it was just through this weird series of things. Somebody was like, why don't you do a podcast? And I felt like it was for people that were misunderstood, people that were hurting and singles. But I I felt like, you know, the reason I started it was because of, I feel like I've experienced so much in my life that I'm seeing other people go through and they don't know how to navigate it. And I felt like God was impressing upon me to to open up about it. And there's parts of my story that I cannot tell on a, oh, a absolutely. You know, I just can't tell it on this. I've shared it privately with people I felt led to share it with. But there are so many different things that I've overcome mm-hmm. that you know are not something I can share on a public platform. But I do feel like you know every everybody is different on it. Definitely on the calling side of it. But I think one of the biggest questions, and it's probably, I don't know how you would even be able to answer it because of all you do, but how do you shuffle everything? Because you're not just a wife and a mom and an evangelist wife. I mean, you do, you homeschool your kids, you help with Bible quizzing, you help with our music department here. When you can, you travel with your husband. And I mean, you just, you do a lot. And that on top of just having a prayer life and everything else it's got to be a lot. It is. There are two sayings that came to mind with this question. And it was, if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. <laughs> and the next one is, if you don't pray, you don't stay. Uh, I'm gonna, That's true. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm human. And sometimes life gets extremely overwhelming, as it does for everyone else. Yeah. And I have found, though, over the years that what works for me is as long as I maintain a daily walk with God. And and I don't mean, you know, sometime in the day, get down to pray. I still do that. But I'm talking starting my day with prayer and devotion and a special time with God. Everything else is seamless. 
it all falls into place after that. Now, there are hiccups because in Job, he said, life is but a few days and full of trouble, you know, and then you have Ecclesiastes 9 and 1 that says life and chance happeneth to us all. You know, we can't, we can't blame the devil for everything, you know, we can't. if some you have a flat tire, fault. exactly, some of it's our fault. And then if you have that flat tire, life and chance, I mean, you may accidentally drove through somewhere that, you know, had construction going on. You didn't realize that or you caught something on the road. You know what I'm saying? Right. It, we can't blame everything on the enemy. It's life and chance. But then when we're not prepared for every moment and what it may bring, that's why it's so important to have that one-on-one -on -one time. God, and I'm not talking like I get up in the morning and I'm wailing in the intercession. Right. Okay. It's not like that. You know, we start out in our flesh, but it's that when I get up in the morning, I have maybe 15 to 20, 30 minutes that I talk to God. And then I move on from that. And I always have, I'm always in some sort of devotion. I have a devotion for something, you know, uh, different. I feel like God always leads me to the right devotion that I need to start, that I'm in that phase of life, et cetera. You right. know what I'm saying? One of my most favorite devotions is by all of her devotions are top notch. If you can get your hands on them. She has just recently passed away from cancer, but Sherry Rose Shepherd, she's released many devotions. And I would say all of her devotional books are top notch. They're one of the best out there. Um, but having your full own armor on and starting your day with the Lord, it's going to give you the, the ability to face whatever challenges that the day holds. And knowing that sometimes that even when it's overwhelming, that there are tests and trials that, that we have to that come and we have to face them, but they're making us stronger. They're making us who we are. And I'll, I'm going to, you know, we can move on from this, but I want to say, if you think about it, would you run out of your house without your clothes on in the morning? No. Would you run out of your house without getting dressed in the morning? Well, when we jump up and we go about our day without praying and seeking God, spiritually, we're jumping up and running about our business and doing our thing. And, and we're spiritually unclothed. That's why I feel like it's so important. And I talked with the other the group of ladies here that we meet for Bible study. Another real, really good book about starting your day on prayer is uh, The Nautical Hour. I think it's only available, though, via Kindle, and I think it's about $2.99. But that is an amazing book, The Nautical Hour by uh, Brother Tony Bailey. And But it, I'm telling you, it is essential that you start your day with prayer. And find that just, it ain't got to be long, just that no, small no. talk with God. I've learned, I've learned, especially like me driving 30 minutes mm -hmm. to work, um, I've learned that I love to do it in the car because I don't get interrupted. <laughs> yes. And it's just me in the car and I can just, just on the way to work, just pray. And there's been days, like you said, where it's not just like boohooing and crying. And, and then there's been days <laughs> that probably when I stopped at a red light in Macomb or Summit that somebody- they look in the car. Like, <laughs> she just lost her best friend. Yeah, they don't know <laughs> what I'm going to, but they feel sorry for me because yeah. I just got, and I'm not- you know, it's just, I'm mm -hmm. in that, that zone. Oh, I've had wonderful prayer meetings in the home. And that, I love that in which this new job that I'm starting will be the same way. I'll drive, you know, 30 minutes to work every morning. I love that time. And when I don't get that time, I can tell I have a oh, short fuse that day. Even, even if I'm praying later in the day too, you know, cause I've always tried to make sure I have Absolutely. a prayer time. And even if it falls later in the day, I've noticed that my fuse is a lot shorter Oh, and yeah. it just, you know, like you said, it literally, it just, it, you're putting on your armor. Exactly. It, it builds you up to be able to, to go through whatever you have to go through on, you know, in your day-to-day -day life. It's just think about it like this, not getting up and getting spiritually clothed. When you go out to face the day, 
you know, we, you know, there is an enemy roaming to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. And he can just catch us at the wrong time. Oh, yeah. At the right place, the wrong time. Okay. And he caught me without my spiritual clothes on. You know, if I had started my day properly, then it wouldn't have been. It wouldn't have been that way. Or something wouldn't have frustrated me the way it frustrated me. I wouldn't have reacted to my kids doing something ignorant, just they're being children. I wouldn't have reacted to it like that. And that's real. And that's that's real talk. And I'm telling that, saying this because even from a mother's aspect, we don't, social media puts on such a display. I don't oh, have it does. of this perfect motherhood. Let me tell you something. Perfect women marriage. are perfect marriage, perfect life, perfect house, perfect. Let me tell you something. They are scooting the laundry out of the way to take that picture. Just put yeah, on social media. The one, I follow one on social media and she has got, okay, she's got, Two toddlers mm-hmm. and a set of twins that is a baby. And she shows this steamer mop thing Mm-mm. that she supposedly uses all the time to steam her windows and her mirrors and her couches. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, lady, there is no way we with you four have time kids for that. that you have time for that. And the junk that she shows on her couch that she's getting off with this special vacuum cleaner. I'm thinking, lady, I have no children. Mm-hmm. The only child in my house is 17 mm-hmm. and can take care of herself. And I don't have time to do that. No. So no. it just, like you said, social, you cannot use. Well, being real is yeah. I have those frustrating moments. Right. And had I checked myself in spiritually it in the morning, as bad, it wouldn't have affected me like it did. You know, it just, they caught me at the wrong moment of frustration. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, what would you say has been the most rewarding thing you've done thus far in your life? The most rewarding thing, I believe I, there are two. Um, I would say number one is getting the honor to raise my two babies in this truth. Uh, the second most rewarding thing would be being able to go into the prisons and minister. That's probably really. Oh yeah. That's That's a whole nother world. My dad, um, and I talked about it with Chaston, my dad was actually in Angola prison, and prison mm. ministry is how he prayed through. <laughs> and he, you know, for years, he mm. did prison ministry because that was his burden. Love because it. Because he was in Angola prison at the worst possible time you could be in it. If you go study the history of Angola prison, mm. during the time he was in there is when the most deaths and abuse happened. And he never had a finger laid on him. Not one time. And I mean, it's just, that. that's just not... You, they say that there are more there are more cases of abuse than anything else. Like literally, the percentage is so high that you can hardly find a person to talk to that was not abused in Angola at that time, and he never had anybody lay one hand on him in any way. of God, and I mean, it's, it was it was just God, and so I could I could see prison ministry because that oh, yes. it has a special place in my heart because I wouldn't be here today mm-hmm. if it wouldn't have been for prison ministry. So that I could see where that would be um, one thing on it. And then do you have any any tips? And I think you kind of dropped them on navigating the call of God in your life. Um, all of my life, all I heard was prayer, fasting, and the word. That is the three things like my mom and dad instilled in me. It was prayer, fasting, and the word of God. If your foundation is right, then the sky is the limit. Get a relationship with God. That is the key to anything. And, you know, I want to go back to what you said. You know, relationship with God, we got to realize that God is a gentleman Definitely. and he is not going to force you to come talk to him. No, he's not. You have to make that step. Exactly. And you, you know, so many people are scared in making it. And it's so crazy to me because I guess I look at it like this for so many years when I would pray, I felt like I wasn't getting anywhere. And then I started thinking about, well, you know what? How am I praying? 
What am I exactly. doing? And I would realize when I started off that prayer, it was me, me, me. God, uh, I want this. Mm-hmm. Do this. Do this. It was never, you know, I really, I think it started with one time God gave me a vision right in the middle of prayer. It was like it literally this vision popped in my head of this man sitting at a table and his wife was just sitting there nagging me. And I thought he'd just come in from work and not one time as she said, well, how was your day? Mm -hmm. I love you. You know, I miss you. Nothing. It's just immediately, I want you to do this, this. It was just nagging. And he was just sitting there leaning on his hand, exhausted. And it just pricked my heart because the first thing I thought of was, you know, that's what God feels like when I come pray. I've I've not said I love you one time. Mm -hmm. I've not given him praise or, or been thankful for the fact that I'm still here or anything. And, you know, it just, I changed the way that I prayed and, and the tone in which I, absolutely you know, and unless you have done that, you don't, people don't understand what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And I've had people look at me funny and I said, you need to think about it. How do you pray when you go to God? Absolutely. Just because you go pray every day don't mean a thing. It's the way that you pray. It's the way that you talk to God. And that's just like when I was struggling with reading my Bible, I didn't understand a lot. I was in the church and Brother Parks, Brother Andrew Parks was in there. And he said, God, give me wisdom and understanding of your word. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, well, why you big dummy? Why have you never prayed that? And I started sincerely praying that. And I can read my Bible now and God will just show me just how much, you know, he has for me in the living word. Absolutely. And so it's just to me, like you said, it's prayer is very important, but it's the way that you pray. It's how you do Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And Come I before feel him with a halal, a worship. A yes. And I feel like you should start it with that. Mm-hmm. If you don't start it with praise, start it with Thanksgiving and then praise, mm-hmm. whichever way you want to do it. Mm-hmm. But before you start just asking God for things for you or your family or whatever, you should always start with Thanksgiving for sure, because it just you don't realize how it changes your spirit. That's, Mm -hmm. that is a positive. Mm -hmm. And so therefore you go before God in a positive way in prayer. Mm -hmm. And so I just feel like, you know, that, that really just opens it up on that. So definitely I agree with you. Those are definitely good tips for it. There's been a point I wanted to make there was if, okay, just take me and brother Phillips, for instance, if I communicated with brother Phillips, how we sometimes communicate with God. it's like you already said, the vision that God gave you. I need you, I want you, I need you, I need you to do this, I need you to fix this, I need you to do that. I mean, he just walked in from being gone for a week preaching out. And and the minute he walks in the door, I'm just blasting him with a list of to-dos. And it went, hey, so glad you're home. You know, no hug, no, no kiss, hug, nothing. No nothing. Just, this is what I need you to do. And then, then again, if I only talk to Brother Phillips, like we talk to God sometimes when I came to church three times a week, we wouldn't have a very steady relationship. It wouldn't no. be long and it would go south. Yeah. And we got to take that into you know consideration. As much as you communicate with those that you love, how much more should you communicate with your heavenly Father? Oh, absolutely. Who I gave His all for you? You know. And you know, I feel like in so many ways, you know, like you said, if you was to communicate with your husband in that way, it's going to get to the point where he's going to stay gone longer, and yep. he's not going to want to be around you, Mm-mm. and it's gonna it's gonna affect your marriage and your life, and I mean, it's just going to show. And, you know, I definitely, I agree with you on that. You have to, you know, it's a relationship. It is. Just like it's a relationship with God, just like it is with a person. You know, it's just like you're, it's the same with your friends, your pastor, anybody. The way you treat somebody and the way you do, it it lets you 
build the relationship or either it tears it down and, and destroys it. So it, another thing for people, it's hard. And I want, I want to say this because of we're discussing it, but beginning a relationship and starting a prayer life with God is not as hard as we make it out to be. No, not at all. It we, is. We make it so much harder. No, it's just as easy as me and you sitting right here talking. And many times, you know, I've had a lot of people say, well, Sister Phillips, I've run out of things to say. And it's like, okay, so did I. And I mean, I, when I was a kid, my mom challenged me. You know, she said when I was four years old, I would pray 30 minutes all by myself. And that, I mean, that's great. But once I got older and, you know, you, you're more comprehensive of what's coming, you right. know, I mean, the spirit just obviously had to been flowing. I have no idea because I can't recollect all the way back then, but whatever, you know, the spirit of prayer was instilled in me at that time. But when you get older, and that, this is my challenge for those that may be struggling with starting a prayer life, an actual relationship with God, start out with your prayer of thanksgiving. After you start naming everything that you're thankful for, and if you have an unthankful spirit, then you probably need to uh, observe your life, you know, but right. for the most part, after you get done thanking God for everything that he's given you, everything that he's done for you alone, you've got the Holy Ghost, you're baptized in Jesus name. Okay. After that, if you are struggling to pray, one of the greatest things that I could ever say to someone that's struggling to uh, acquire a set time that they want to pray, if it's an hour or if it's hour and a half, pray the word, get scriptures, and pray your name in them. And I'm telling you. It'll do it every time. It'll do it every time. And then and then it ain't long. You got to pray until you get in the spirit. Pastor has, he has preached this so much last year, already preaching it into this year. Pray until you get into the Holy Ghost. It ain't long that you get into the spirit. And when you tap in, if you're having a struggle tapping in, start out with thankfulness. Start out with praise, repentance. Number one key thing, repent. Oh yeah, definitely repent. Repent, then go straight into praise or you know thankfulness, and then once you move on from that, if you're still struggling to keep your mind on prayer, start reading the Word. Um, I also have a book that I could suggest and leave with you a link for it. It's a it's a prayer. It's called Prayer Warrior. I can't remember for the life of me who the author is, but you can get it on the PPH website, and it is literally pray in one hour and it has a list of everything that you can pray. Yeah. If you need that kind of well, you know, establish that yeah, prayer life with God. And that is so awesome. Pray in the word sister, uh, Tiffany Smith. Mm-hmm. Tiffany, yeah. Tiffany Smith from went Ohio. to a ladies conference. Yes. yes. From Dayton, Ohio, went to a ladies conference she spoke at and she talked about praying the word and the importance of praying the word. Yes. And she gave out, I, I took notes on it and I've got a copy of it. I've went back and listened to it. I don't know how many times, because she talked about and she gave instances where people prayed the word and God performed miracles and God worked. Mm-hmm. But she also talked about how it doesn't have to be Mm-mm. just because let's say that you're depressed. It don't have to be something about that. No, it don't have to be. It, it, you can just say the Lord prayer. Exactly. And because it's the living word of God and it can take care of Absolutely. it. And it just, it blew me away. It really opened my eyes to, you know, pray in the word. So that was really, you know, unique too on that. That's definitely a really important one. Um, let's see where we stop. I think we've hit on these is why I'm saying that. What are some tips and things that you found helpful while growing and learning how to use your calling and gifts? We basically hit on those. Okay. Well, I want to hit that though from two different aspects. Okay. One was my parents gave me the keys. Right. They seen, they seen the abilities and they provided the keys. Right. For me, you know, piano lessons, so on and so forth. God ended up blessing me 
just, you know, with being able to write songs. And then I was able to record my first CD when I was 15. And then God opened the door for me able to start speaking when I was 15, which that ties into uh, another time in my life that if we get time, I will mention something about it. But I have to say that if you're a parent, equip your kids. If you see an interest, help them to give, help to give them the tools that they need. Sometimes um, I really didn't want to get up front and I didn't want to oh, sing yeah. and I didn't want to play, you know, but my parents were completely like, no, you're going to do this. This is what you're called to do. And they pressed me towards the calling that they saw God was wanting to right. use me in. Um, a parent is a catalyst for a child to have confidence in what God is calling them to do. So parents, encourage your children, help them to find confidence in what God is calling them to do. But if you're an adult coming to this from a different aspect and you're feeling the calling of God on your life, fall in love with relationship. Number one prayer. We've done went over that fasting and the word. With relationship comes direction and anointing, godly self-confidence and power. And I was just talking to someone the other day and I said, there are those out there that are infatuated with the calling. They're infatuated with the limelight. They're infatuated with the attention and being up front. And everyone look at me. Look what I'm doing. They think it's all name brands and it's, roses and fancy cars. It's, and it's, not. it's definitely not. But when you fall in love with it and that only comes through dedication, uh, you'll know a tree by the fruit it bears. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, yeah. You won't care if you're up front bleeding or you're knee high digging in the trenches in the mud. My daddy used to always tell me this growing up. He would say, your hand can fit around a broom and a toilet plunger just as good as it can fit around that microphone. And he told me that's where real ministry starts is when you can sweep the front of the church or when you can clean a bathroom or when you can clean up about the church and pick up. He said, that's where ministry starts. And I will say, be willing and be available. If you see something around the church that needs to into, just do it. It says in Matthew, alms given and things done in secret is rewarded openly. And that's given of your time. That's given of your money. That's given of your talents. That's given of your abilities. That's anything. It covers it all. And you don't have to self-promote. No. Rest assured that if it is to be, God will open all the doors for you. If you will, if you're truly seeking him with your whole heart, get in the carpet, get under that altar and get in the carpet and you're going to find all the answers that you need. And one thing I can honestly say, like you said, about helping around the church and doing things, everybody's not always going to know what you did. No. It's not open. It's not in the open. I mean, obviously, when you're in a ministry, like in your case, everybody knows who you are because you're on the piano, you're on the platform, you're visible. But it, everything that needs done right now is not. But it didn't start there for me. No, it didn't. It you know, didn't. nobody really knew me as, you know, the preacher's kid back then. I cleaned the church when I was little. I cleaned the church too. I, I do it still sometimes. Yeah. And I'm not one of those people that's up there in, in the middle of all of mm -hmm. it. And I don't, for the longest time, I did not like moving in the Holy Ghost because I felt like I was just right out there in the center of attention. And it changed for me because I got to that point where I thought, you know, I asked you to give me a gift mm -hmm. and you give me a gift that I would have never asked for, <laughs> yeah. but I'm going to be a willing vessel and do it. You don't know how many times I've gotten on that keyboard and just, Lord, I never asked for this. You know, and, I never asked to do this. And it's because we asked and you were open-minded. And I've said that before. You have to be careful what you ask for. Absolutely. And I had somebody look at me funny when I said that. And I said, I'm not being, you know, disrespectful to mm -hmm. a calling. I'm telling you, 
if you for sure want to be used, oh yeah, either be specific and tell God what you want, mm-hmm. or don't just say God use me anywhere <laughs> because you don't know what God will do. Don't be the one that's down at the altar and be like, Lord, I'm available and just I'm here, use me. <laughs> because you know those people like me, I was a very quiet, very in the back. I was not, I was not out in the open. I did not do a lot of talking. I was a very closed off person. And I mean, you've seen it. Anybody that knows me, I'm when I pray, everybody knows it. When yeah. the Holy Ghost hits me, it's just you know it's it. There. I'm, I'm there. And you know, you just have to be careful. It's not there's nothing wrong with asking God right. to use you, but you better be prepared. Be ready for it. And be ready for it because it's not gonna be anything like what you feel like it was gonna be. Absolutely. Um, what are some things? not to do when you know God is calling you to a higher purpose. And I guess that question, what I feel is, is there things you can do? And I know there is because I've done it. There's things you can do to block it, but what are ways to, to fight against? Cause I know anytime you're called, the enemy's going to fight you. Oh, absolutely. And if you're going to want to shut it down and be like, you know what? It's just not worth it. It's not worth it. Mm -hmm. Number one, don't run from it. I think the first time, you know, the first time anybody feels that initial calling it's in us just to run the opposite direction. Um, fight it. To fight it. Because we, we're we not prepared for all the uh, the unfamiliar things. We are people of habit, creatures of habit. And that's okay. That's the way God's made us. But don't run from it. Uh, don't get discouraged. Turn off the distractions. That is the number one thing I would say first. Cut the distractions off. Uh, don't don't put what you can do today on the back burner for tomorrow because number one, we're not promised tomorrow. And if you put it back there, chances are you're never going to reach out and, and even try to acquire it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't listen to negativity. Um, that's a big one. That's, and a that, good, that's a good one. That's a very big. And, you know, when you say that, some people think, oh, well, when you say that, you mean like, no, I mean like you may have family members that are giving mm-hmm. you negative, they're a negative voice in your head. And you know what? You may have to distance yourself from them. Absolutely. You know, and I, I I, can say that from experience. I have family and friends that I don't affiliate with anymore. I don't have anything to do with because they hindered me from doing what God wanted me to do because they were negative. Mm-hmm. Because they looked at what me as a person could accomplish. And they didn't add on that aspect of if God called me to it, then he'll give me the ability to do oh, it. Oh, if he calls you, he will equip you. And that's, you know, mm-hmm. that is... That's what so many people go wrong at. They think, well, you know, they can't do it in, in the physical aspect. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm not doing it as me. No. My flesh is not what's doing it. No. And, you know, that, uh, the negativity, that's, that is a big. That is a big one. Anytime. It, it may, like I said, it may be a person and it may be somebody that you thought you would always want in your life. But you mm-hmm. know what? Sometimes they can hurt you better than they can help you. Yeah, that's true. Another one is I will encourage you to start walking toward what you feel God is calling you into. Um, study it out, study, study it out, pray about it. You know, if it's, uh, if it's a ministry that God's calling to you, there's so many things out there that God can call you to do. Um, but find good apostolic, wholesome reading. Oh yeah, definitely. Material books on whatever it is that you feel like God's calling you to do. And don't back off when you feel the heat of the battle. That's something I really wanted to hit is, Hey, if you're called, you better just go ahead and get your armor on because, you're going to go through some things and there's oh, going to yeah. be some tests and trials coming. It's going to, it's going to be able to prove, you know, what, what we are truly made of, you know, and it's in those heats of the battle that I've seen a lot of people crack and walk away and say, 
I don't want nothing to do with this. This ain't for me. I, I'm done. And it be the very moment. They're, they're one second away from their biggest miracle. You know, don't throw in the towel and, and don't back off when you're feeling the heat of the battle. And know that trials come to mold and shape us for what we're called to be. And without pain, there's no gain. So don't, another thing is don't allow jealousy and fear to keep you from achieving what God is calling you to do. The biggest thing in the, that we, we face, I've seen time and time and time and time and time again faced is inferiority, uh, fear. It's just all a stem of fear pushes you back in the corner. You can't do this. You know, sometimes we are our biggest critics oh, and we will talk ourselves out of anything. And yet our spirit is drawing us and we're feeling the calling. Oh, I've done that so many times. Yes, and but it, we back off yeah. because we're like, I'm not, I'm not it, God. It ain't me. I can't do this. And then all the time God's like, yes, come on. This is what I've called you to do. This is what you were to do for me. You know me. what's so crazy is if you ever give in and you finally just do mm-hmm. it, 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 you literally feel like, it, and I, when I was younger and they made us read Pilgrim's Progress, I never understood that book. I always thought it was boring. <laughs> and now when I think about it, I'm thinking, you know what? I understand that burden he's carrying. I understand what it means now. Because if you ever finally just say, you know what, God, I feel like an idiot. Doing Absolutely. This. I don't. My biggest thing is, is if I like to be prepared, yes. organized and aware Oh of what is going on before I get to it. And I want to be prepared for the and worst there, moment. There are times yes. in the last year that when I have finally said, you know what, God, if I look like an idiot, I look like an idiot. That God has literally, I'll be standing next to somebody and I'll, I'll see movement out of the corner of my eye and I'll shift and look at somebody. And he does not give me the word, but he urges me to go to them. Mm-hmm. And I have done it. And when I got to them, he gave me the word. That is the scariest thing to ever do because you never know if you're going to be able to give it to them in a way they understand it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I've never had a moment where anybody's come to me and said, I didn't have a clue what you said. I've had them come to me. And this is the, this is the other thing that I feel like when you have a calling and you feel those urges and Mm -hmm. God uses you and you obey. Mm -hmm. I feel like for me, one of the biggest things that I did is it for the last year, it has really, I've really grown in it and been more comfortable in it. But there was a time when I doubted myself. Oh, yeah. And I finally prayed and I was like, God, I just need to know if I'm doing it right. It, what, you know, what's going on? And God allowed people to come to me and say, hey, you know that word you gave me six months ago? It's come to pass. Mm-hmm. If you're doubting that what you're doing is right, just pray about it. Just ask God to give you some type of confirmation Absolutely. and let you know, hey, you're doing it right. This is what I wanted you to do right. and let you know that, that it's the right way. It's the right thing. And that, you know, that goes a long way. There's nothing wrong with asking God to do that. There's nothing wrong with asking mm-hmm. for confirmation, you know, in a calling, you kind of have to navigate it. Absolutely. And, and that's, and that's how thing it goes. Too is allowing your calling to navigate you in that aspect, because, you know, the whole, we, 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 Try to talk ourselves out of it. But at that point, it's when God's using the calling to navigate you. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I something recently, I feel like God has really opened my mind because, you know, and everybody that listens to the podcast is familiar with when I say wait. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had to do a lot of waiting, waiting. for things that I want. And I feel like over the last few years, God has given me just different little things to help me understand the wait. 
But the most recent thing that he's given me, and I keep going back to it, is if you study the word wait in Hebrew, it means intertwined. Mm. And the best, the best description to me of that is they talk about it's like being in a three-legged race. Mm-hmm. And you have to be sensitive enough to God mm-hmm. that while you're intertwined with God and you're waiting, that when he pauses, you pause. Mm-hmm. And when he runs, you run. And when he does, you're in sync with him. Absolutely. And it just, that for me, the waiting always depressed me when God, because for, and I don't know if you've ever heard anybody talk about, and I don't know if you do this, but I pray for a word every year. And when, when I say a word, I mean like a word, an actual word. Mm-hmm. Three years in a row, the word was wait. Mm. And I literally, when it got to the third year, I said, God, I don't want this word. I've had this word. Mm-hmm. I don't like this word. I don't want this word again. Mm-hmm. And he just said, trust me. And it was three years in a row I dealt with weight. Well, then that third year, halfway through that year, I had something happen. And I had been dealing with, I'd never in my life had them. But because of me being single and just not comfortable in it and not wanting to be, I had dealt with anxiety and panic attacks Mm -hmm. severely to the point I felt like I lived at the Robinson's. Because I would literally be on the floor at her feet. Just, I couldn't take it. Mm. And all these young couples getting married and babies being born. It was just, it was literally about to kill me. And halfway through the year, there was an occasion where somebody wanted to meet me. Mm-hmm. And it didn't work out. But I knew that I would be an emotional basket case when it ended if it wasn't anything. Mm-hmm. Because that's just how I reacted to every one of them. And halfway through that third year of wait, God gave me the words peace and contentment. Mm. And it just ended the year out with it. Well, then that was two years ago. Last year, it was patience and endurance. Mm-hmm. And I, when I tell you them words about killed me, I was just like, oh, you know, what in the world am I going to have to endure? Exactly. And it just, I, so for me, I pray for a word every year. And it's so crazy because as I look back at each word, they're connected. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's not just, he gives it to me in a new way, like this year's consistency. To have consistency, you have to have patience and you have to be able to endure. And all that comes with waiting. <laughs> yeah, it does. It just, it all just connects. Yes. And, you know, I just, I had to learn the right way to study it out because that's another thing that I never thought I would be able to say that I was familiar with the sound of God's voice. Mm-hmm. That I, When God speaks, I know it's him. I never thought I could say that. And that's, that's not me being boastful. That's, when you get into that that area of prayer where you want to say, God, I want to know that when you're speaking to me, that it's mm-hmm. you. I don't want it to be where I'm not familiar with that. And that's, you know, that is just, to me, when you've reached that in your prayer life, that is the most unique, one of the most unique things you can, Absolutely. You can reach. But, you know, that is, that's just where I'm at. You know, I'm, I'm to that point. But I feel like it all came with me being a willing vessel. Absolutely. But also, not just a willing vessel. I had to give him control. That's everyday walk with God is just knowing that, hey, you know, he does have me and he has my best interest in mind. And that's hard for us. Uh, Number one, hard for women, period. Yeah. Because we think, we think, oh my God, you know, I got to take care of this. I got to do that, you know, because we're already motherly prone. You know, we take care of everything in the house. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like I said, you know, I like to know what's going on. I'm very... I, I just don't, I don't like to be caught off guard or Absolutely. surprised. No. That's not my comfort zone. Mm-mm. And, you know, I just, I like things planned. And it's so crazy because my dad's the same way. 
I am too. <laughs> and it's just, you know, I just, that's just how I am. So um, I hope this was ho- um, helpful. I said hopeful, but I hope this was helpful for yes. anybody listening. And uh, I hope you'll have a great week and a wonderful afternoon. God bless. Thank you again so much for listening. If you have any questions or prayer requests you would like me to help with, you can message me on Instagram or you can email me at shly.cat86 at gmail.com. Again, that is shly.cat86 at gmail.com. God bless and have a wonderful week.